0: Welcome to the Transform Your Teaching Podcast. The Transform Your Teaching Podcast is a service of the Center for Teaching and Learning at Cedarville University in Cedarville, Ohio. We seek to inspire higher education faculty to adopt innovative teaching and learning practices. Thanks for joining our conversation.
1: So I got to do it?
0: You have to do it. Yeah, I'm not a, I'm, I'm not a host this time.
1: That's right. What is it I got to say again?
0: Welcome. (laughs) He's got it.
1: Welcome to the Transform Your Teaching Podcast. My name is Dr. Rob McDowell, and I'm here with Jared Piles, Dr. Chris Miller, and Dr. Dan Sterkenberg. We're here on the campus of Cedarville University, and today we're doing a roundtable at a square table on AI and its use in education. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. Glad you.
2: Glad to be here.
0: Oh, thank you. Yeah. This is weird, by the way, Why <laughs> that oh, I'm I'm a guest. It's yeah, weird.
1: Thank you, gentlemen, for coming on. Why don't you introduce yourselves?
2: My name is Chris Miller. I've taught uh, here at Cedarville for over 30 years, teach a lot of uh, freshman and sophomore classes uh, in Old Testament literature.
3: I'm Dan Sturkenberg, and I've been teaching here since 2007, part-time, and then 2010, full-time. I teach in the business school. I am primarily teaching strategy for the Capstone uh, Seniors, but I also teach accounting and uh, venture capital.
0: I'm Jared Piles. I am an instructional designer. I also host or co-host a podcast you may have listened to or are listening to right now. And I'm also an adjunct instructor. I teach once a year, and these gentlemen are more qualified than I am to talk about this, but here we are.
1: All right. Well, just just soak in your guestness.
0: I will. I'm going to enjoy this.
1: As you all know, We've all had different experiences with ChatGPT and maybe other AI tools, and that's what we're here to talk about today. Mm-hmm. So let me kick us off. What has your experience been with ChatGPT?
0: Well, I'll go first. Um, I just – talking about a, a teaching capacity, like education-wise? Teaching or in my, my day-to-day is a little bit different than teaching?
1: Well, let's do it. Let's start with teaching.
0: Okay. Um, so teaching, I – Implemented ChatGPT this semester into my summer uh, writing course with it's primarily dual credit students, so most most of them are juniors and seniors in high school, a couple of freshmen, maybe one sophomore in uh, college, and just bringing it in as a tool during the research process. So they've encountered it um, not as a primary tool, but as a supplement for what they would usually do in the research and writing process. That's all I've done with it thus far.
2: Okay, we'll come back to that. Dr. Miller? I have uh, encountered it uh, negatively and positively, uh, negatively in the classroom, when students will uh, use uh, ChatGPT to wholesale answer essay questions. Um, that um, really bothers me because it's, <laughs> they've, they've violated every rule of the educational process when they do that. Uh, but then on, on positive sides, I've certainly been able to use it in my own personal writing and editing um, and, and in various ways. So uh, it, it's one of those examples of technology that can be used for good or for ill. And, and in fact, we don't know where it's going to go. So it's it's a, a fun thing to try to keep up with mm-hmm. and explore.
1: Yeah. Dr. Sturgenberg.
3: Well, I first ran across it uh, – you know, of course, in, in different articles that I've been reading. Uh, and then I decided to query my students anonymously, sent out a three-by-five card and said, how many of you are using ChatGPT to solve my assignments? Mm-hmm. And I found out it wasn't that many, actually. It was about five out of 40. And so I thought, <sighs> okay, that's interesting. Some didn't even know what the term was. Mm-hmm. So I said, on this next assignment, I want you to use ChatGPT. So we're talking around February, March of last semester, of spring semester. And so then I allowed them to use it, and uh, it was amazing, the results. They were very good. Uh, But of course, they were generalized often, so they didn't have a lot of critical thinking or analytical thinking behind them. But I let them just kind of blank page put that as the answer. And uh, so then I began to do that for a couple more assignments, and then uh, the other assignments couldn't use it. So that's how I began to use it in the classroom and uh, found it to be a useful tool for a a better way of, let's say, Googling information.
1: Well, it sounds like we've had different uh, experiences here. You now Jared you specifically are using it in your class and Dr. Starkenberg, you've been using it in your class Dr. Miller you have not yet used it in your class. Mm-hmm. Your students obviously have used it in your class. <laughs> yes. To your chagrin. Yeah. Um has you know from your first experience with ChatGPT or any other AI tool up to now can you give me kind of a bird's eye view of your first impression and and where you're at right now in terms of what you think about AI and chat GPT.
2: The reason I didn't like it in my classes is because I have a a lower level college classes, not the higher levels that Dan was just speaking about. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that, that makes a huge difference in the educational value of it uh, because students were using it to, um, to research and to synthesize data that they had no awareness of and could not critique and could Mm -hmm. not evaluate. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that was a very negative um, uh, response. Where I am now, I think, is appreciating it as a tool in the hands of uh, an expert or in the field, whatever field you happen to be in. Mm. If you can determine whether or not ChatGPT has hallucinated or made up um, (laughs) facts or made up (laughs) resources, and it often does, and that's the problem. Right. Well, you cannot count on it as reliable it's, it's a helpful source, but it cannot be contou- counted on as the ultimate authority in a, in a particular field. So um, using it for my work, I'm able to say, here's something I wrote. Could you try to rewrite this or slim this down or make it more concise or more compelling? And then as the expert, go in and look at that and say, hmm, is that better or is that not better? So it's It's a helpful tool mm-hmm. for those kinds of things. I had an interesting a situation a couple of days ago, I had some my chart results for a specialized physical exam I had. I looked at the results in my chart, couldn't make heads or tails of them. Sent them to my brother who's an MD, who said that doesn't make any sense to me. I can't figure out what that's about. I sent it to ChatGPT, and it came back with the most beautiful bedside manner analysis <laughs> of that material I'd seen or he'd seen. Today, I go to my specialist. I want to give that to him and say, is this good analysis or is it not? But I can't wait to find out well, what he says. Well, what did your brother say? My brother, well, he's, he said, that's not exactly my field in radiology. He was in gastroenterology. He said, but I still don't understand some of those medical terms.
1: Oh, okay. Wow. Well, I'd be curious <laughs> to know
2: what happened. The explanation, however, was stupendous, even in his opinion. Again, not being quite the expert in that field, he couldn't verify it, but he said, that sounds very plausible. Okay.
0: At least the style and the tone of it was spot on. Is Mm -hmm. that what what you're saying?
2: Well, the definition, the explanations, it was as though a doctor had sat down with you Mm -hmm. and explained this in lay terms. Yeah. So was this,
1: just to be clear for our audience, was Mm -hmm. this chat GPT 3.5 or
2: was this chat GPT 4? No, no. I wouldn't trust anything but 4. Ah, there we go. Did it give you a
3: placebo effect? Like it, it said comforted you. You'll, you'll live long and prosper. <laughs> That's the worry. It did,
2: did come along and say, uh, "This is nothing to worry about." And that, that sort of language. Wow. wow. But, but again, I'll, I'll let you know when I talk to my uh, the specialist, specialist in the field. Yeah. Wow. Huh. Looking forward to that.
0: So I'm, I'm kind of along the same lines as, as Dr. Miller when it comes to impressions of it and how it's changed. Um, my Impression of it's different than it was when I first started. Um, not necessarily better or worse. I'm more cautious with its usage. Um, I've been burned several times on it, like you said, hallucinating. Mm-hmm. Um, Any good examples? I have a great example. So I had it generate annotated bibliography. This was 3.5. This is before 4.0 came out. I had it generate some an annotated bibliography on a topic. That I was um, researching, and it gave me, you know, citations, mm-hmm. uh, descriptions, everything else. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Wow, these are really good." And as an any good researcher, I went and then checked and saw these are all fake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where the author, the author might be real, the journal might be real, but the title and the volume and everything of the issue was completely wrong. There's always an element of truth, but it's always wrapped in a huge lie mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i after the sixth or seventh source i was like what's going on here so i asked chat gbt hey these are these are false why'd you give me false ones and i said in order to better answer your question i gave you basically I said i gave you what you wanted to hear uh, even though it's fake mm-hmm. so i was like you realize this is just falsifying stuff and i'm pretty sure at that point it just stopped responding to me mm-hmm. so yeah So I would say cautious. Cautious, okay.
3: Dr. Sturgenberg, where are you at? Well, from February to today, I've learned about Course 4.0 from you. I also learned about add-ons. And so those really changed things. I started to diagram things, uh, query it for diagrams, uh, database-type diagrams. I did for Dr. John Delano one day just to show him what it could do. They're very rudimentary, but they do give you a starting point.
2: Mm.
3: I also asked it to, I took last semester an executive summary from one of my students for a deliverable. I popped it in there. And I said, please grade it on grammar and on uh, an analytical content. And it came back, boom, 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 all this analytical things it should have improved on, some attaboys, and then some grammar issues, and then gave it a B+. Mm.
1: How close was it to what you actually gave it?
3: It was pretty close, actually, Uh, although I had pointed out a lot of different areas that I wanted improved in. So uh, it's really just a starting point. And I don't think I'll be using it for grading, but I could be using it for double checking. Mm -hmm. But I do like the idea of those add-ons. I I finally realized you can only use three at a time, evidently. Mm -hmm. And uh, those were kind of cool, though, that I could go into the whole um, scholarly works and ask it to query something in there. So one of the things I did, I'll just give you what I just did recently, is I'm developing a course for spring semester right now, venture capital finance. So I asked it to create some outlines for me of mm-hmm. what I should cover in different weeks. Of course, it popped that all out. Then I asked for the references of what it was doing. And unlike what you said, my references were all solid. These are books mm-hmm. that I have on my shelf and, and that I could could look at and say, yep, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I just kept asking it deeper and deeper questions. Now on this, explore even deeper what sort of typical due diligence topics I should cover in my lectures. And then it would give me some results for that. So I really have been using it, uh, I think, a lot more than I imagined I would. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: So it mm-hmm. sounds like a research assistant for you.
3: It is. It is for developing that course, yes.
2: Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's the research assistant, but it's not the professor. Correct. <laughs> Correct. <laughs>
3: Maybe in 10 years, (laughs) but I'll be retired.
2: (laughs) Well, I I know one thing
1: that Jared and I have just consistently remarked on, and we did a little, uh, we've we've started a new little series called Coffee Drops, where they're like 10-minute little recordings that we make on things that interest us both, or we have something, we go, oh, we need to talk about this now. You know, not wait a couple weeks or a month down the road to do recording on it, so we're just gonna release those as they as they hit us. And one that we just did was on an article that we read and and one of the things we just kept, you know, saying was that whatever you put into it's what you get out, but you need to have the knowledge. Something mm-hmm. like what you said, Dr. Miller. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you really students need to know this stuff before they start messing with chat GPT and mm-hmm. interacting with it to do analysis and synthesis because you don't know if it's actually right. No. And you, you need to. You need to check. You need to check. So let's move on. What do you think are the main challenges and opportunities for higher education institutions when thinking about or implementing AI tools like ChatGPT?
2: I don't know the answer to all that question, but I can think of one at least. And that is this. The difficulty is that now Grammarly, per Writing Aid, Word, Excel, PowerPoint all tap into it. So it is ubiquitous. And i found students who have used it who didn't even know they were using it. Whenever you see that telltale sign rephrase, whether it's in Word these days or other programs, uh, those are all going back to some sort of form of AI. Mm -hmm. And so it's almost impossible to get away from.
3: Thus, what is original? Grammarly's correcting all my grammar? Is it really my words or mm -hmm. Grammarly's words or AI words?
0: Yeah, I mean, AI has been in writing for decades now with mm-hmm. Microsoft Word and Autocorrect and everything else. So, mm-hmm.
2: so it's just a different degree.
0: Just a, Yeah, it's mm-hmm. a, definitely a much more advanced, but it's always been there. Like, you know, mm-hmm. what's original at this point?
2: So for the for the professor who is interested in in lower-level students learning to write and learning to think and learning to express themselves in precise language, um, the, the, uh, that's where it can become detrimental. And I, I don't want to see a polish. I want to see a real student thinking and grappling and trying to find the right words on their own, at least to build the skill Mm -hmm. until they can then become to the level where then they can use it as an assistant, as Dr. Sturkenberg was talking about.
0: And that's what I've been doing in my course is, you know, the, the way they've interacted with chat GPT is during the brainstorming process for coming up with topics, Mm -hmm. um, helping them analyze a piece of a, a literature, um, and then I had them do a, like a peer edit with chat GPT where they put in their rough draft and they had it anal- had a chat GPT analyze it. Mm-hmm. But each time I'm not telling them to use that as the assignment. I'm having them reflect and have a dialogue with it and go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. okay, well this is what, and I was just reading through as I was, as you guys were talking, I didn't want to seem rude. I was on my phone, but I was listening. I promise. Um, I was going through because I had them do that, what I called a GPT edit. And so far, every single one of them would go, this is useful, but I would never use this for this part of the writing process. Mm -hmm. For brainstorming, pre-writing, they're like, 100%, this is an incredible resource. I'm definitely going to use this again. Mm -hmm. So I think, like you said, if a student is early in their education, if we can instruct them, show them how they can use it, and then they make the decision, but not tell them that, this is the final product. Mm-hmm. It's just a tool to get you to the final product. Mm-hmm. It's the same as going to a writing tutor or going to the library and asking for assistance there. It's a more detailed, personalized, faster tool. But it's important, again, not to like let that be the dominant final say on what they do. Mm-hmm. So,
3: I took one of my assignments where I was asking the group to reflect on technological innovations with Six Flags. So that's a theme park. And uh, what I did is I decided to ask it the reverse. I said, what did this student miss as current technological innovations? Mm-hmm. And it came up with like six different things mm-hmm. that were missed. <clears throat> in so doing, I thought about, well, I could ask a student to use it to do that and then to interact with it in the sense of they start to think about of those six, is it number three that will really help grow this uh, revenue stream for mm-hmm. Six Flags. Mm-hmm. So how I'm going to try to incorporate it in class is here's your chat GPT result box. Mm-hmm. Here's maybe your Google uh, search box. Mm-hmm. And then here's your interaction. I want you to interact with what you just found and figure out what is the best solution.
2: That's that's really brilliant. I, I really like that, Dan. I, I think that's the proper way to utilize the tool to train them in it so that they're not simply saying, okay, here's my homework. Mm-hmm but they're having to interact and use it as a tool. That's 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 the way it should be done, I think.
1: Well, it's also a nice segue into my next question, mm-hmm. which is, you know, how are you using it? Will you use it with homework? Do you have any ideas? Dr. Sturkenberg just shared that one with us. And, um, you know, you talked about homework. You talked about grading and how you're probably not going to use that again.
3: Not not to specifically grade by copy pasting what they wrote, I okay. don't think. Maybe the executive summaries, <clears throat> excuse me, but what I, what I have thought is, uh, this would be an interesting way for me to basically just glance at what ChatGPT said so that I know that it's in the ballpark. Now I don't have to actually in detail grade that section. So heretofore before this, I've had to have them put down the citation for every single almost line that they included in their deliverable, and then I would actually read it every little line, and I would read and try to understand: Did that really come from that kind of reference or whatever? So I can, I think I can shortcut some of my grading, is what I'm saying. Oh, okay,
1: mm-hmm. well, that's that's by looking idea. just
3: for that interactive section. I'll look, I'll glance at what they found, and I'll look at for their interaction with the with the information they they received.
1: What about you, Dr. Miller? Anything
2: new that you're thinking about? Uh, again, I. Not to beat a dead horse, but I go back to the level of students that I'm working with, freshmen and sophomores, in large classes, and I'm not. I don't have the kind of high-level interaction with data with experts Mm. to guide them through. So, for us, it has basically been sort of off-limits. I want you to do your own thinking and writing there. Mm. If I had upper-level classes where I had students who had some expertise in the material, I I would like to adopt some of those. Methods Dr. Sturkenberg has used. Wow.
3: So what's going to be interesting is you can ask ChatGPT to act as a person,
1: mm-hmm.
3: right? So could you ask it to say, "Please act as a freshman student and write a re- write an essay on this," mm-hmm. and then you still wouldn't necessarily know if it was actually ChatGPT or not because <laughs> it might include errors.
1: <laughs> right.
2: Right.
1: <laughs> well, most recently, uh, we we've become aware of of a tool. Um, that takes ChatGPT or any other AI output and it, and it makes it undetectable. Mm. So it's an AI tool we, that makes we, AI we, tools
2: undetectable, too. <laughs> we knew it was coming. We just didn't know when.
1: <laughs> so it'll, it'll be interesting to see this year. And we're still getting, you know, during the summer, I've had several faculty contact me who are teaching some summer courses and, and run into some issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we created a, a policy for them to use in the future. But I, I, I do think, you know, turn it in and others are going to have a hard time eventually figuring out what's AI and what's human.
3: What I, what I think is interesting is that Chegg stock dropped tremendously at, at the release of ChatGPT. Now Chegg is what students use. It's one of the many things they use to cheat. Because Chegg has all the answers, has all kinds of essays that will actually write things for you. And suddenly that stock price dropped tremendously. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think about uh, how foreigners use it. We have a lot of foreign students at Cedarville. They mm-hmm. struggle with English and grammar. Mm-hmm. And I know that some of them have used some of those kinds of things. I can just sense it mm-hmm. because of, of the language. It's just too superior for for their level of understanding. Yet, how could we use ChatGPT? for them to query it or maybe even write it in, in their language, let's say, and then and then it comes and translates it into English uh, to help them. I mean, I've, I've been thinking about that. How would that help a foreign student mm-hmm. uh, here at Cedarville?
0: Yeah, there are many advantages to putting it in, into play for sure. It's just, like we said over and over again, like you've said too, it's just a matter of knowing the level of students and knowing instructing them on the correct ways of using chat GPT and asking the right questions, using the right words, because Mm -hmm. I'm sure we've experienced like putting in the wrong query, sends you down a path that you're like, I'm completely off base and let's have to redirect or whatever at this point. So it's all in the prompts. Yeah, it really is. Mm -hmm. It really is.
1: What would you say to faculty as they're coming back this fall? What would your advice be? How would you guide them if they ask you?
0: put
3: all your homework through chat GPT and see if the students are going to be using
1: it. Okay.
0: So you're saying that the answers that chat GPT would push out, save those and see if your students work looks like that or no, no,
3: I'm not trying to be a turn it in. I just meant so that you know that maybe you can modify your assignments such that chat GPT would have more of a difficulty answering those, or you have to put in the system that I'm talking about where you say, okay, that's the results
2: but now I want to see
3: you engage with it. Mm-hmm.
2: I think it's also very, very important to upfront, first day or, or uh, very soon, to talk about to bring the topic up and let people know where you are as a professor, because some professors want students to use it, others don't, and they have their own educational philosophies and purposes. And I think uh, otherwise, left to their own devices, students will say, "Well, this prof allows it, so why shouldn't we do it here?" Uh, and and I think you can you can. Uh, head off an awful lot of heartache by saying, here's my policy and here's why. And so please, for the educational goals of this course to be accomplished, I don't want you to use it or I want you to use it in this way. Mm-hmm. So they're not left wondering and guessing. I think that, I think also, uh, Dan, your, your comments about what you were doing in February and only five out of 40 students knew about it. You, we almost have to date our comments by the month mm-hmm. with this. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it was in February. Now when it comes to August or September, it'll be a completely different picture. Right. Uh, And so that's why this has to be continuously um, addressed and made clear where we are.
1: Well, it's become rather ubiquitous in terms of access even to ChatGPT4 Mm -hmm. because if you have a Microsoft Live account, in other words, not an enterprise account like we have here at Cedarville, but if you just go out and get your own live account, you can use being with chat GPT four built into it.
2: So So to this morning when I'm using our our serial University Office three sixty five and Word says rephrase, which version is that going out to to rephrase it from?
1: I don't know. I honestly don't know. I don't have information on that. You don't think it's four though? You think it's No, I don't 3. think 9? so, not yet. Because I think those are separate teams. If it's Microsoft Editor, I don't think they've bridged over to OpenAI yet.
3: Didn't you state in in an earlier podcast about that you asked ChatGPT to formulate a policy to include in a syllabus? Yes. Yeah, I I need to get a handle on that one. I think I want to include that in my syllabus. So another thing I would
0: do before fall is make
3: sure it's in my syllabus. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: Mm -hmm. and I think it's pretty decent. Jared.
0: So I agree, policy in place, first day. That would be the number one advice I would give to a faculty member. However, I have an issue with not letting students use it, but having a professor use it. I have a big issue with that because I feel like it's like I can use it, but you can't.
2: Well, yeah, but I can teach the class and they can't. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> There's a difference between the professor and the student. One is there the was a fist appeal. bump that just happened
1: between the two of them. That was really good. He
2: has an answer key to
0: everything. But do you see what I mean, though?
2: I, I do. I see I see, it, I see. the logic on one level, for sure. Oh, thanks. But
0: no, uh, Not the correct level? Is no, that what you're no, saying?
2: No, but no. Well, no, on the palpable level, because okay. that's exactly how students are going to think. Well, you use it. I've heard you talk about that, but you won't let us use it. And that's, again, why I say... When I tell the students why I'm not letting them use it, it's because I want to develop your skills. You've got to learn to write and express yourself carefully here. And besides that, you are not at the level of an expert to know whether or not this thing has made leaps in logic for you. And this is, this again is ultimately why in business applications, this cannot be the final solution. Uh, I have a son-in-law who works for international companies and they've toyed with putting JetGPT in for their customers and they mm-hmm. determine at some point it will burn you. At some point it will kill you. It will give the exact wrong answer and your customers who depend upon you for accurate information will get the wrong information and it's your fault.
1: That's the end of part one. Join us next week for part two.
0: Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Transform Your Teaching podcast. Please subscribe or follow us on your preferred podcast platform. For more information, you can email us at ctlpodcast at cedarville.edu. Please consider subscribing to our blog, Focus, found at cedarville.edu forward slash focus blog.